your favorite fat boys. Stefan, aka Mayhem, aka Pablo Escobar, aka you want to party, bro? <laughs> so we're we gonna talk about today. So today we're gonna talk about drugs. More specifically, we're gonna talk about the opioid crisis that is racking our nation right now. Yeah, uh, drug issues that are happening in Baltimore on a consistent basis in the past and currently. We're also gonna talk about a recent methadone shooting that occurred. Yes. So let's start with that since it's more fresh than anything. Uh, there was a methadone shooting uh, last sometime last week. Yeah, at a methadone clinic in in Baltimore, uh, one of the oldest methadone clinics in the country, hmm. and the oldest methadone clinic in Baltimore. Yeah, so it got a lot of history behind it. So, <laughs> bless you. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, apparently, uh, a guy on with the with the on with the gun came back to the clinic. I, I think he didn't get his. Uh, I think he wanted more medicine. He wanted more. He wanted. He wanted his other shot. So he needed another hit. Yeah, and he demanded. They told him no. He came back with some heat and demanded. And then out they shoot shots. Yeah, before uh, the cops came or yeah, he, uh, two shots, and that's what got the cops called. Right. Know, armed, armed and dangerous shooter. Said they they went in like it was an active shooter situation. Right. So he uh, they had a shootout. They the shooter ended up getting killed and another person as well. Right. So it's very unfortunate that I know the officer got wounded as well. So, yeah. But he's being declared as a hero, and he'll be getting some awards soon. I'm pretty sure if he gets out of the hospital or if he's not fully recovered yet. So. Said so, I mean I can declare he stopped the shooter, but I'm almost certain that the the death of the second person and the two injured were accidental shootings on the police officer's part. I'm just gonna put that out there. Possibly. It you know because like reading the article, it doesn't say that the gunman he, he fired two shots. Yes, but he safety, definitely shot the officer. Right, shot the officer, but it does not say that he shot the a bystander or someone. Yeah, so I'm I'm guaranteeing that it's the officer's bullets because they were shooting in a clinic where there were multiple people. Right, and I'm almost certain that those officers weren't marksmen, and every shot that they shot were gonna hit. The person they were shooting at, right? Because <laughs> if you see the, they showed they released the body cam footage, so you see the officers walking into the clinic. They are talking to the gunman. Um, I and it's, it's, it's a strange of fire, so you don't. Are you he's trying to shoot him, so it's very possible, you know. Yeah, I'm almost certain. That, you know, one of those shots probably did hit someone unexpectedly, and unfortunately, you know, someone you know died a lot when they crossfire. Yeah, so. and two other individuals got hurt. So, I mean, it's a terrible situation, but this is kind of the thing that you tend to expect when drugs or an addiction are involved. Mm -hmm. And that's a clear case of what this was. Somebody who's addicted to a substance, they need that substance. They're going to do whatever they have to do to get it. So, how do we how do we get there? Like, how does a person get to that point where, like, you know what, I'm going to do it by any means I say that I want to get my fix? I mean, with drugs, 
do is they they change your brain chemistry. It makes you addicted. Your brain is craving the substance to get either a high or a low, depending on what substance that you're using. And you tend to not be able to have any control over it. And then things with like methadone and heroin and, you know, methamphetamines, they have terrible withdrawal symptoms. Terrible withdrawal symptoms. Yeah, I read that. I read, I read a lot of stuff about the opioids and uh, methadone. I didn't know methadone actually could, uh, could worsen your addiction, you know, and there's a lot of bad side effects as well. Like, you can get addicted from methadone itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what it is, is it's derived from a horse tranquilizer, and it's... All right, stop. A what? Horse tranquilizer. Why are you giving me a horse tranquilizer to curb my addiction? Because it's an extreme low to an extreme high that you've been on with you know, with methamphetamines. Whose idea was to give me a horse tranquilizer? I, I guess they did enough studies and saw that it was a good way to wean people off of it. It's not like they panicked. They had nothing else left, and that's what I'm going to do. That could have been it, too. <laughs> he said, shit. He said, well, what else we got? We ran out of everything. You know what? We got this horse tranquilizer that's not very effective with horses. Pretty sure it works on humans. Throw it out there in Baltimore. It's a, I mean, it's not just Baltimore, yeah. though, but I guess well, seeing as how one of the oldest uh, methadone clinics is in Baltimore, it might have started here. <laughs> we, we, we did have a real bad crack epidemic. Yeah, 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 that's true. So crack did hit us kind of hard. It did. You, you have any, I won't say crack experiences. Obviously, you never, you never had it. You crack your system. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the last time I shot up. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? But you ain't you like, I guess I need, I won't say, well, you have any relatives that might be affected by that? I, you know what? I've, I've had uh, family members and who were crackheads. I've known individuals who were crackheads, so I do have some personal experiences with crackheads. Hmm. Um, nobody in my family, has, as far as I know, is a crackhead. Right. So, yeah, please preface it with as far as you know. <laughs> right. Because some know. people are functioning crackheads. This is true. <laughs> we probably work with a lot of them. I've, I've definitely worked with a few of them. I know I have. But yeah, I, no, I don't, as far as I know, no one in my family... Um, I probably I don't know if anybody like my neighborhood might have been on crack. No, I'm lying. I'm about to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in your neighborhood. There was a couple people on crack. A few people on crack in my neighborhood. I had a neighbor that was on crack. I know one time um she I think she must have relapsed. She came to my mother one day and she was like, You know why I'm here. And my mother was like, I know I don't. And she was drunk, she wanted to borrow some money. But the, her approach was all messed up, though. Like, I, only only a crackhead will approach you like that. Like, you know why I'm here. Like, I have, like, the crack, like, you, crackhead has a mad superpowers. Hey, she said she wanted to cut the bullshit. She ain't going to give you a sob story. Just give her the money so she can get a fix. I appreciate that. You're right. Get straight to the point. Don't give me your spiel because it don't matter what it is. We know what you want. Man, that did, uh, that's, that was just a bad situation. But, um... So, what, in your opinion, what's what's worse, uh, the crack epidemic hit Baltimore, or the opioids going on right now? I would definitely say the crack epidemic hit harder because mm-hmm. it definitely it urban blight it straight up destroyed at least you know the ur- the urban minority population. I mean, granted, that's what it was planned from the beginning, but. The crack epidemic led into the opioid epidemic because a lot of people who were on crack fell into taking opioids because, again, that was just prescription drugs. 
Oprah's is a motherfucker, though. It definitely is. I mean, and part of it is because uh, the people who created, you know, Percocets and uh, Oxycontins, all of those drugs, they definitely lied. They pushed it really hard mm-hmm. to doctors to, to push their pills because it made them fucking billions of dollars. And they lied about its addictiveness. They were saying that, no, it's not addictive. It's a definitely it's a better alternative to morphine. There's no addiction whatsoever. But and it was a complete lie. And granted, none of these people are in jail, but yeah, you know, it's America, right? And they should be. Cause oh I, yeah. I, oh I, no, definitely. Because I've taken, um, I've taken, uh, I've seen, I've taken perks before, but I was in the hospital. Not say that makes any. Better. I mean, yeah, that doesn't make it better because right. you can still get addicted from it. Right. That. They give me like a low doses. I've been in pain, so they give it to me, and it, 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 it you get high. Yeah, it definitely does its job, you know. But I never, I never felt like I needed, I had a craving for it. Like for like the, for the hardness, but I definitely wanted it if I was in pain. Mm. So if I was like, because I, I twisted my ankle um, a while back, and the first time I twisted it, they gave they asked me, "Do you like you know what you want for pain?" I said, "What's the strongest thing you have?" They're like, "We give you morphine." I'm like, "I don't want that. I ain't that. I ain't that kind of pain." They said, "We'll give you oxy." I said, "Okay." Took that. I was loopy as shit in the in the ER. Um, and then once one time at John Hopkins, and they gave my back because I'm. That's a this whole another whole story I'll tell later, but I was a lot of pain in my back, and they gave me I I begged them like I need something for my back like Tom's not gonna cut it what's something else you can give me that's stronger than that and they like we can give you a perk I took it I was out and that that, that helped the pain like sometimes I really was craving something was like to take the pain away, and a lot of times that's what happens that's definitely part of one of the reasons that the opioid crisis blew up as much as it has mm-hmm. people in pain and and this was supposed to be a better alternative to what they were prescribing before oh yeah because opioids are crazy because like i read that um they cause they can cause kidney failure they can cause problems to live and things yep. like that and in the in sports they are recommending for pain to take these opioids but there's so many other it causes so many other health risks and that's why a lot of the like the athletes are pushing for like a marijuana substitute for pain relief because it's not as it's not as it's not much so much of a health risk, right? You know? So, but again, I mean, a, a part of this is comes from the, stems from the fact that opioids were pushed as a safer, non-addictive alternative, even though we now know that that was a complete lie. And doctors prescribed it. You know, we're giving tons of incentives to to prescribe these drugs without having full knowledge of what the effects were going to be on people. So, who do we hold reliable then? Do we hold the doctors, the people who made it, the people who passed the bills, everybody, everybody should be held accountable for it. I mean, that's the that's the that's the first step into fighting the the opioid the opioid crisis is to hold the people who caused the crisis accountable for it. Is it going to happen? That's a completely different story. <laughs> we we know what country we live in, and that is holding rich people accountable for their actions is relatively new. It's it's starting to happen a little more often than it used to, but it's still a relatively new concept here in this country. Yeah, in now, most countries, it's not supposed to be a push to like, oh, we had to, you know, fix the opioid crisis. But it's like you described it to all these people, and now they're addicted. And then like, how now? What now? How do you how do you wean them over? How do you fix that? I mean, and, and the problem with the opioid crisis and you know trying to fix it is the same issue that we had with the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. One, you can't have a war on a concept. And two, these things tend to fairly target minor unfairly, not fairly, unfairly target minorities, which is 
would be another thing that is would definitely happen if we were to have some big push to you know attack opioids is going to definitely unfairly target minorities. Now, I read that uh, an article that was saying that the only reason why they're focusing on opioids now is because it's affecting rich white people. That is definitely the case. That's why it's coming to the limelight. Because now they're saying that, oh, wow, so many well-to-do white folks are being affected by these drugs. It ain't just a poor, it ain't just a poor man's fix. Mm-hmm. Well, like Michael Jackson said, all I want to say is that they don't really care about us. Oh, well, I ain't got I ain't got enough money to to lobby Congress, so they definitely don't care about me. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that for a fact. Mm-mm-mm. So with Baltimore and their our opioid crisis, was it ours or theirs? I mean, it's everybody's at this point. Okay. So with the, the opioid crisis here in Baltimore, like you see more, you see it affecting a lot of kids now. Um. A lot of children, you see a lot of like these young these young kids just strung out and did it to these to this stuff. And also, you hear a lot of this in music as well. I mean, There's a lot of artists. Now. When I was uh, working as a sub at Dunbar High School, um, some kids were talking, and they were talking about uh, you know some boys got into a fight, and, and they were clowning this one boy. He was like, "You ain't even do nothing." He was, and the, and the kid was like, "Oh yeah, no, I ain't do nothing. I was pretty much high off of perks." Before the, before the fight even started, I'm like, "What the hell?" So, per, uh, you know, in this high school, you know, I hate to throw them out there under the bus like that, but fuck you, Dumbo. <laughs> but in this high school, Percocets being passed around was the big thing. So it's it's definitely uh, something that affects the younger folks because I guess everybody got life troubles and they want to get high to avoid them, even if you're a teenager. I, was, I saw this uh this documentary. It was talking about it was talking about in Compton, uh, how like there's a lot of you know gang violence, a lot of death in the area, and the kids didn't know how to cope. So instead of having, I will, their way of coping would be to take drugs, and I, and I and I believe maybe a better alternative would be maybe seeking therapy. But I don't know that that's not. And of course, we you know as, as black people, you know, talking to someone is look, is looked frowned upon. Yeah, well, you know, black mental health. Is not really talked about in black communities, and we know that it's a stigma about it. That's a, that's what white folks do. White people go to therapy, mm-hmm. but not but do I think to further harm yourself, taking these drugs, get hooked on them. That's not helping. That's not helping you any. You know, I mean, it's a high. You know, you get that boost of endorphins and serotonin and those feel good chemicals. It's like. Why do people like to laugh? Just all those feel good, feel good chemicals build up in your brain, and you know it's nice. All those drugs do is they boost that to the max. So once you get that high and that feeling, you want to keep doing it. But also, the, especially the, if you got a lot of shit going on in your life. True, but does but does, but that, but I guess the the bad side of that is that a lot of people commit some people commit crimes on what they high as well so doesn't that, oh, yeah. that, that, that kind of like you said it before it alters your brain chemistry so something you normally wouldn't do you get high you now all of a sudden you doing, you committing crimes I mean but we've always seen that with you know with the crack epidemic you know, mm-hmm. that people will break into a house and steal your TV and VCR just so they can get their nest fixed so they were stealing fat backs back then you know it <laughs> they were strong <laughs> I think I I mean, they they weren't taking the big fat back. This is true. <laughs> so you you take the you know the little twenty two 
inch CRTV, not the not the forty four. <laughs> you gonna need a team of crackheads to get that out the house from assembly line. Let's go. <laughs> Shit. I remember uh, my mom had like a, I think she had a, a Geo Spectrum, some little red box car in the nineties, and it, back then the radios like was one whole unit. Yeah. So they would bring it to a car. It seemed like they bring it to a car like every other month and take the unit radio out. And now, of course, get sold for parts or whatever the case may be. And the insurance company probably paid for the new radio or whatever. And it happened a couple of times. And then and the, then as the time went on, the technology got better. So then they started making just face plates for the radio. So you can test the face plate and take it in the house with you. And one night she left it and uh, she left it on and they took the whole, I think they took the face plate and the radio or whatever. Of course. And then it got to the point where they said, fuck the radio, we'll take the whole car now. And a car got sold probably like twice. See, your mama got the worst luck. <laughs> yeah, with that car, man, that thing got taken like every, it seemed like for like a, it was like probably within a year that car got taken so many times. So she got the worst luck. And then I know in that neighborhood I lived, I lived in, um, uh, other people had the same problem too. Like you, the, you, you, it literally like you see somebody car there at night, go in the morning, it was not there. And they'd be like, well, where the hell is my car? So. so, yeah, we didn't have a, a car theft problem in my old neighborhood, but we definitely had a, a drug problem. Everybody was a drug dealer. Everybody was a damn drug dealer in my neighborhood growing up. Yeah, they were. Craig Avenue, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing up the deuces. Represent. No, I don't re- really represent that shit. You're too far from me. <laughs> yeah, I'm way too far removed. But no, so I mean, uh, you know, one little uh, a funny story is I, I worked at a Brookstone out Towson and... One of the employees there, we were good friends. I believe her name was Stacy. White girl. She was going to give me a ride home. I didn't have a car at the time. I was like, you sure? She was like, yeah, I don't have a problem. You know, we're we're friends. I don't have a problem giving you a ride home. So we, we turned down the street, going towards uh, the my street. She stops at the stop sign. The guy walks into the car. Yo, sweetie, I got that ready rock. I got that ready rock. I'm like, no, we good, dog. I knew I knew who it was selling the drugs. I'm like, no, we good. She's like, oh my god, he just walked into the car. I say, you're a white girl in this neighborhood in a nice car. You only here to buy drugs. Anytime you saw white people in my neighborhood, they were there to buy drugs. Yeah, yeah straight off the bat. Yeah, but I would come. I would come to the neighborhood and we be outside. You know, briefly. You know, just chilling. You would see a lot of transactions. You know, and it, it'd be like white people coming up. You know, driving up. Insert and then dipping off. So you're no reason being. Yeah, if you white, you're no reason to be on Craig Avenue. Like you didn't. You weren't there for the scenery. Oh, you definitely. <laughs> you definitely weren't there for the scenery. Right. So one time, um, uh, you know, a mutual acquaintance of ours, you know, from a while back, Bobby, you know, a guy named Bobby, who dropped me off at my house. He pulled out because you know my neighborhood at the time they were locking it down. Mm-hmm. So if they didn't know you, uh, you know, if you, you know, the police were locking it down. So if you weren't a regular in that neighborhood. You know, they were stopping you. So he gets out the neighborhood and apparently they stopped him. And one of the officers is like, where the drugs at? Because he called me like right after this happened. He's like, yo, the officer just stopped me. And they like, where the drugs at? I was like, oh, yeah, you know, you, you're not a regular around here. So you they just assume you came to buy drugs. Because <laughs> that's what anybody who came into my neighborhood who wasn't a regular, they were there to buy drugs. Right. I never got pulled over from, uh, from that neighborhood. But there was one time where we were outside. I came there late. I came there probably like eight, nine o'clock at night. Sun was down, and as soon as I pulled up at your house, the cops came in the neighborhood. They locked somebody up, and across the street, 
Yeah, old, old boy gonna let off four or five shots. In the air. <laughs> right on, right on the, right on the field across the street from my house. Yeah, I remember that because they they locked up a bunch of the drug dealers. They had them on the corner locking them up, and he had to lick a couple shots for the hood. And <laughs> we were, we were so close that you could see the spark from the gun. Yeah. So I, so he pop pop turn around. I see the spark. I'm like, oh, it's real in the field. <laughs> so yeah, we should probably go in the house. As absolutely, we did because that was ridiculous. Yeah, he, you know, you got to look look a couple shots for the hood because you know when, you, when your friends get knocked, you know, that's what you do. You look a couple shots. I don't. What what does that signify? Besides that, what you just said, does that add we, anything? You else? do it in solidarity. <laughs> I'm like we went to the house that day. <laughs> you do it in solidarity. Yeah, that that always that, that's a funny story just to be in the hood. So, yeah, you know that's that that's the life I lived. And you always been in the hood until what five six years from now? <laughs> yeah, about six yeah six years ago when I finally moved out of the hood. You know, I saying you know I'm the smartest man in the ghetto. Yeah, probably trying to move out of the ghetto. He <laughs> <laughs> said you know what the last you know the last place I lived, uh, Rob Street. It was you know a big uh, drug dealer street. You know the the stash house is right across the street from my house. You know the, the dope boys on the corner all the time. I don't know. One time I was going to work. It was the first of the month. I walked out the door about to you know go to the light rail and just I think it might have been like twenty or so fiends walking up the street with their money in the hand like fucking zombies. So I was like, you know what? I can probably wait ten minutes. Wow. <laughs> Said it was the first of the month. Everybody had their checks. It was it was time to go cash out. That's sad, but that's the world we live in. It, it definitely is. Drugs are bad, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes drugs are good, though. I know one time um, I had, um, I, I kind of tweaked my ankle a little bit. It was bothering me. And so I asked a friend of mine, um, can I have a, a perk? And I knew she had them. And she's like, no. So I'm like, come on now. So I took one. And I took it on the way to dialysis. And I didn't think it would kick in, but it kicked in while I was on the hot, while I was on 83. Mm. And I was like, ooh, I'm, ooh, I need to get there real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Endangering fucking everybody. So I had got the, got the dialysis and I took the, I took the best nap <laughs> when I got there. I'm like, yo, I ain't expecting this shit to kick in because I think, I don't think I ever had it where, like, I wasn't in a lot. You know, I, was, I would think I was more pain than anything. But this wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, a, a bad pain. It's more so annoying. But, but I think, but I think the high kicked in was the high was the high was higher than the the pain itself. I mean, I think that's part of the problem with opioids is because they prescribe it so readily, and if you're in pain and you're in a major pain, then it makes it easier to abuse it mm-hmm. to keep the high so that you don't feel the pain. That makes so. sense. Cause I um I, I had a bad cough one time and uh was it urgent urgent express I told my cough I thought I know what they gonna give me but they ended up giving me um was it medicine or lean they gave me lean mm, nice and and they gave me a small bottle of it and they told me you taste it for your cough yeah that's what it, that's, that's that is actually what was proper for for a cough okay but the lean right isn't it yeah I mean but it's cough sir I mean yeah it's a strong dose of it yeah. but again it doesn't really actually cure anything. <laughs> well, it fits my car. So. <laughs> yeah, I bet it did. So I would take that. They gave me a small bottle, probably worth like four to five, four to six doses of it. So I took that and I'd be out like a light. So that's when I had another cough. I went back and they gave me lean again. 
So I'm like, okay. So I used to, I used to just use it for the cough. I didn't use it for nothing else. So I had another cough come back again. And I went back there again. They didn't give me nothing. I was upset. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's when you robbed the place so you can get your lean fixed. Hey. You know, every time I stub my toe, I take Oxycontin. <laughs> Shit. You know what? I think I need a Percocet. <laughs> so I was upset. I, was, I won't say I was upset. But I just, let me disappoint. I get my lean back. Because I was like, damn, like that, that to me, it, put, it made me sleep. You know, I don't. I didn't necessarily feel a high from that. Mm. But see, this is why my idea of the drug, the the, the drug costing the cartel will come in handy, so that you just get what you need and it be delivered, be uber druggy. So we sitting here talking about the opioid crisis, and you trying to perpetuate it further. I'm trying to make a business for us to sell, right? As drug dealers, <laughs> you know what? Ain't everybody else doing it? Right. I mean, the, the, the government doing it. Uh, 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 they got more resources, though. All right, we gonna start small. Well, it's gonna sound real bad because we trying to be thinking about thinking about cover up. <laughs> it's not real call center, is it? Well, we we got calls coming in and out, but so you know, technically, are, it's a call center. Right, we you know, but I got a perfect location too. <laughs> my my job's closed down. Oh, it's a call center. right, right. We're PayPal, yeah, yeah. Altimonium, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a good area. Light rail right there, so the, they can come and get, they can come pick them up from the light rail. And then, and know what? I'm thinking of franchise ideas too. Ooh, they, they got spot in Arizona. <laughs> we can make this global. And they got spot in um in uh so in we, Texas. We can take it to the Midwest where the opioid crisis is really rampant and make a killing. You go there. I like the code. Oh, okay. <laughs> so well, I'll set up the Midwest offices. Right. That's all you right there. That's all you. I'm I'm local. not admitting to anything. <laughs> if this just so happens to materialize, it was not me. <laughs> Look, I go down. I go down for it. I do my twenty years. Oh, okay. As long as you're willing, I'm not. Right. I, I take the I take the fall. I ain't gonna say to nobody. I just, I just want you know run the little business. They make a movie about me. I'd be happy. That's what doing with Big Meech and and BMF family and everybody else that sold drugs. I mean, yeah, yeah. infamy is definitely uh, a money maker in Hollywood. There you go. So, is there any? I guess upside to what this crisis could bring. Like, is there any like positivity that's like this could shine? Well, it's making one politicians and experts take a serious look at it. Mm-hmm. Because again, we've let pharmaceutical companies pretty much operate with reckless abandon. So it's definitely shining a brighter light than it has been previously. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's about the only upside. Whether or not it's going to actually lead to some definitive change is, you know, yet to be seen. But definitely, the light that's being shined is a, a really big positive. Is there is is there any uh, alternatives being developed uh, besides the opioids? I mean, there's plenty of it's for pain and things of that nature. There's always been an alternative. I mean, I, I don't particularly do it myself but weed said you know with cbd oil all all of those you know weed and weed derivatives have been shown to deal with pain in a substantial way and are far less addictive you know, almost you know to a degree that it's negligible than opioids but you know until everybody decriminalizes weed yeah it it it, it boggles my mind that they they look at 
we as such a negative versus to what opioids contribute to. Well, not well, yeah, what they get to contribute to. Well, because again, you you got to look at. I mean, it, it's it's all racism. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of these things. Because again, with uh, with weed, it was the Mexicans are going to smoke weed and they're going to have sex with your white women. <gasps> that is exactly what they said. And women are going to they're going to smoke it and they're going to want to have sex with these goddamn Mexicans. And and that was the the idea that they pushed to, you know, to ban weed. Fear margarine. Yeah. That the Mexicans were going to come up and rape your white women because they, after they smoked a joint. Yeah, we got the guy protect white women at all costs. Yeah, and you know, and 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 it, and there's also lobbying against the hemp industry because you know hemp, one of the byproducts of it, is so versatile and useful for shit. It would have put a lot of different industries out of business. So you know, a little bit of lobbying, a lot of racism, and you get a ban on these things. There's a little sprinkle here and a dash of that, and poof. Oh yeah, you you always got to sprinkle on a little bit of racism. <laughs> That's how the world can't, goes. It right. can't be America without racism. Yeah, Salt Bay, eh, racism. There you go. <laughs> so uh, you said you got surprised by everybody, right? Yeah, actually, we uh, we have sponsors now. Somebody was uh, dumb enough <laughs> to give us some money, so it ain't like we got a big following. Nah, we don't. We have. 29 subscribers, actually 28, because I asked them to hit the subscribe button myself, so maybe it's 29. Was inten- was was very unintentional, but hey, what can you do? Especially when you subscribe to your damn self. Okay, <laughs> that's rather <laughs> telling. <laughs> so, all right, so um, this is a little promo from uh, Stinky Wipes uh, Incorporated, trademarked. Excuse me, it's about what now? Stinky Wipes. Hmm. Again, uh, they, they sent the promo over, so I'm going to go ahead and Play that because they got to get their thirty seconds. And you signed off, and they paid us. They they wanted to give us production money. Uh, I'm not going to complain about Roll it. Roll it. Has this ever happened to you? Has the odiferous smell that emanates from your nether regions affected your life? Has it driven away your friends and loved ones? Does it seem that no matter how much you wash and scrub, that odor still persists strongly and unchecked? Now introducing Stinky Wipes, the total clean solution. With Stinky Wipes, that unsavory smell will be a thing of the past. That's exactly what I need. It feels like burning! That's how you know it's working. Stinky Wipes' patented solution of hydrochloride and sodium hydroxide neutralizes all odors and leaves you with a clean and refreshing feeling you never thought possible. Stinky Wipes, pick yours up today. Stinky wipes may result in burning, itching, loss of skin, and a large rash in applied areas. If rash begins to spread to other areas across the body, please consult a physician because this could be the onset of a serious medical condition. Honestly, if your genitals smell that bad to the point you're even considering using stink wipes, you should probably consult a physician anyway. Stinky wipes. It's time to take back your life. It feels like burning! Huh. That's a... That's an interesting product. Sorry, this is your favorite fat boys brought to you by Stinky Wipes. Was that? That was our sponsor. Ooh. Ooh, we sign off on it. Did you sign off on it? They were giving money, so of course I signed off on it. Enough of this production. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess we are 
endorsing Stinky Wipes as our sponsor. Thank you, Stinky Wipes, for the ad. We do appreciate it. I may not personally use your product, but I will recommend it. Yeah, you know, you you need it to feel like burning. You use Stinky Wipes. So, thank you. All right, so I believe that's our show for today. Thank you for tuning in and listening to us talk about this thing that's happening in our great United States of America. As always, you can hit us up on Gmail at yourfavoritefatboys at gmail.com. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Music Play. Watch us on YouTube if you want to see our beautiful faces. That's the show, everybody. Peace out. Peace.